Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. So, um, I don't know if you guys heard it, but at the end of the Nikki's prayer and we got into the five-minute break, she said, uh, feel, free, feel free to have a conversation. And I heard, stay in your seats. So, you heard it too? Okay. We don't tell you what to do with your body here at Neighborhood, right? If you want to get out of your chair, get out of the chair, right? <laughs> That's what I heard. I'm like, wow, okay. And Nikki, Nikki said it came out of her introvertness of like, no one talk to me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. All right. Well, we're continuing our series in, um, uh, in Romans, and I start by um, stories. I love uh, stories. And part of my um, job, one of my favorite parts about this job um, is I am a professional, Mike. It's true. I'm a professional pastor. And uh, what I love about it is I get to hear people's stories all the time, right? And I haven't said this for a while, um, but if you've been coming to the neighborhood and you're like, I'd really love to process, share my story, hear about neighborhood or hear about my story, you hear my stories all the time. But maybe you want more, right? Maybe you can't get enough. Um, but I'd love to hear your story. Get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, and then we can um, process. But here's the problem, is that when it, someone calls me for the first time or messages me, they always start with an apology. They're like, I'm so sorry that I have a need. <laughs> right? I'm so sorry that I want to talk to you. Because there's this perception that pastors are so um, busy. Right? Now, you must be so busy because you're a pastor. Let me in on a little secret. We're not that busy, all right? Not to the point we're busy like any job, but like our job is to actually like um, connect with the church. And the church is you. You are the church, all right? So I'm too busy to actually do my job of what I'm getting paid to do. Well, then there's a big problem, all right? And maybe other pastors, maybe we're missing the plot. There's always time for me to connect with you, all right? So if you'd like to connect and share your story, um, I have a business card, and it's on the table in the back. And it has my cell phone on it, and it has my email, and we can find a time to connect. Because stories matter. Uh, like when me and my siblings uh, get together, we tell the stories about my dad, who happens to sit in the front. And they love when I start out with saying, let me tell you a story about my parents when they're sitting right here, all right? Um, uh, and we tell stories because it's nostalgic, right? It's something that, that um, connects us to one another. Well, um, and then the other one is we'd say, hey, Dad, uh, what are we doing this weekend? And he's like, we're going to Shakopee. And we'd be like, what? where's Shakopee? And he'd say, behind the TV, right? And we're like, it got us to stop asking questions. And one time, I don't know if you know this, we were at Grandpa Tony's house, funny enough, and my dad said that. And I went behind the TV. Remember, like, when, we were, when I was a kid, TVs were heavy, right? And I moved it. I threatened putting it on me, on my life, and maybe even breaking Toby's foot, right? We wouldn't know how cold it is. And I pull it out, and I look behind it, thinking, this guy say shock could be somewhere on this giant TV. It was nowhere, right? And I found out when I got a little bit older, Shakopee's a real place. You know what's in Shakopee? Valley Fair, the biggest amusement park in Minnesota. And this whole time we could have went there instead of jeopardizing my life going behind a TV. And Oh, your dad did the same thing? <laughs> I have to start saying that now. I can't be the breaking of the generations. Um, oh, that's funny. Um, okay, so <laughs> we have those stories because it unites us. It's a time where we go back of 
our dad loved us and trying to be a parent. Now as a parent, you understand that's just some things you do. But stories like can really bring you together. Um, just recently, uh, there's a group of friends that uh, we all worked in the same cult for a while, <laughs> for like a long while. Um, that was a church. I refer to it as a cult now because um, that's trauma. <laughs> I like that we can all laugh at that. <laughs> Tragic experiences. Um, but it's true, right? And we get together and we, we begin to tell stories from when we used to work there. And then we always end up singing old vineyard worship songs, right? And like, um, we shall dance on the streets that are golden, or that kind of stuff. It doesn't make any sense, right? And we all start laughing. And this particular time a couple months ago, uh, <laughs> we're, we're talking about, like, stories that we were told when we were younger and that we believed them, and it came to creation. And uh, um, if you don't know how um, Adam and Eve were created, this is literally in the Bible, if you've never read this part. Um, God creates Adam, and Adam um, is alone, and God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And so God lines up all of creation, all the animals, and it's like a Tinder thing, all right? And he, like, comes up, there's a donkey, he's like, swipe left. All right, I've never used Tinder, so I don't, so I don't know if that's right, but he goes, swipe, swipe left, like, not going to work. Sees a beetle, not going to work, right? There's like a, I don't know, a whale somehow, right? Like, all, it says all, all of the animals, and Adam's like, this is just, I'm not feeling the connection. This is not working for me. It's not you, it's me. Um, and then God's like, uh, oh, no, we're out of animals. So then God's like, hey, let's put you to sleep. So he puts Adam into deep sleep and removes a rib from him. And out of that rib, that's how Eve was made. And then they were compatible, and the rest of the story goes on. And so we're laughing about this, and all of a sudden, we all look at each other, and we're like, men have the same amount of ribs as women? Is that true? And we're all looking at each other. It's like the spider, Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing at the other Spider-Man, right? And we're all making eye contact, trying not to laugh because no one knows. We had to Google it. We are, oh, I, I was going to say a swear word. We are adults. We are professionals. We lead teams of people. We raise humans to think critically for themselves. And because we are told a story as kids that men have one less rib than women, we had to Google the answer. Do you know the answer? You are a professional in the healthcare system. We have the same amount of ribs. All right? <laughs> it's the same. It's 24, right? 12 and you say, yeah, we have the same. But it's, I say this because stories shape our reality, Right? Stories can shape our perception. Stories shape how we walk into a room. And the story doesn't need, need to be even true, right? We don't have every story needs to be true in order for us to find some value. Like the boy who cried wolf, right? It's like, oh, I've got to find out the historical fact on it before I learn a lesson about lying, right? And even the Bible has stories that don't need to be true to learn something. Like, do you know the story of Job? Do you know the story of Job? Right? It's a story where God and the devil make a handshake deal in the back room, smoking some cigars. He's like, yeah, devil, go kill his whole family. Let's see what happens. That's literally the story. And the takeaway is that Job, in a, immense, a, a lot of suffering, doesn't turn his back on God. So does it need to be true? Like every single, um, what do we call them, parables that Jesus tells. Those aren't true, right? Why? Because he's telling a story to get us to a bigger story. And this is what Paul's doing in chapter 4 of Romans. It's actually what Paul's doing um, throughout the whole entire book. And he's telling a, a, a story that was familiar, the story about Abraham, and he's telling a much wider, more inclusive story by helping them reimagine maybe what and who Abraham is might be something bigger than they first realized. So Romans chapter 4, 
um, starts out by Paul, um, this question that says, like, um, does our inheritance, does our blessing, does our, like, salvation, does our, um, like, the goodness from God come through Abraham's flesh? And they're talking about circumcision. And Paul says, no, because if it really did come through his body, then Abraham would have everything to boast and not God. Instead, uh, Abraham was credited as righteousness because of his faith. And then he tells the story of Abraham. And it's the whole idea, we talked about this last week a little bit, but God creates this covenant, this promise um, with Abraham. He says, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And you're going to see the whole world's going to know what kind of God I am because of people like you. You're going to demonstrate who God is and what God looks like and what God does, how God celebrates, how God grieves. And he's going to do that through his heirs, right, through his lineage. Um, And then Paul is making this argument of saying, um, it was, we got that promise, that covenant came before there was any kind of circumcision, before there was the Old Testament, before there's the law. And he says, all those are really good, but where it starts, this promise does not come from our body. The promise comes from faith. Because Abraham had faith in God that this God is that good. Can a God be this good that would bless the entire world through Abraham and his, and his lineage? And so Paul makes this argument of we can't expect other people to come into this law. We don't need to demand that they have to come into this, um, this circumcision because the way it all started was just through faith. And if we have faith like Abraham, we could have this relationship with God. And what he's doing is telling, again, a better story that we don't have to convert people in order to get the best of God. Right? We don't have to demand that people over here come over here and be like us, worship like us, um, vote like us, right? Laugh like us, and then you get the best of us or God. He throws it wide, incredibly wide open of saying, Any, everything that unites us is going to be this faith. Then he goes into chapter, or uh, the second half of the chapter is, uh, he introduces a, a character, and it's um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, Sarah. And so he begins to tell uh, the, the story of, they have this promise with God. Oh, I got to back up. I missed a big point, <laughs> right? And it's this. Abraham and the story told matters because the person of Abraham ties like Christians believe in uh, Abraham. Does anyone know the song? Father Abraham had many sons. If you know that song, you went through deconstruction. I promise you, all right? <laughs> right? So we look at Abraham as being a father patriarch of the faith, right? Um, then uh, in Judaism, they say the same thing, but so does Islam. Muslims also see Abraham as being a patriarch or father of the faith, but let's say we get all the Christians and um, everyone who practices Judaism, everyone who practices Islam. We're talking billions of people, right? And let's say we get them into the auditorium at Carleton High School, the greatest auditorium of all time, and we're all in there, and we said, um, raise your hand if you believe that we believe um, and worship a God that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Like the majority, not all Christians, but a majority of Christians would raise their hand like, yep, big fan of that. But the Judaism and Islam wouldn't. But if we said, uh, raise your hand if you believe that uh, God created the earth and God created Abraham and we're supposed to worship like Abraham, right? The whole room, the whole auditorium would raise their hand and look around the auditorium saying, this is a really great place, right? Because universally we have this belief in Abraham. But the way we think about Abraham, the way we think about God matters. And that's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to help us see um, Abraham is the central figure, but maybe there's a different way about thinking of him. Okay, I was supposed to lead with that. But 
Let's go to the second part of the story. So God makes this covenant. God makes this promise. And it's going to be this rich, rich blessing. It's through this faith. And part of the blessing is that God says, I'm going to use your lineage, right? And Abraham, I imagine, like meets God. And he's like, God, big fan of your work, right? Like love what you're doing with the beard. Um, and I love this covenant idea. It's really, really great. Um, there's just a problem. Like, do you know how this whole, like, creating a baby thing works? I don't know if you've been around people for too long, God, but, like, I'm 100 years old, maybe more, right? Not great math back then. 100 years, my wife is over 80 years old, and we've never been able to have a baby. So, like, you're going to have this blessing, but you're going to use our bodies to actually bring about this blessing. And God does this miracle. Because what God promises God's going to back up. Like, she's really good at backing up her promises. And God says, if, if you believe I'm this good and you can have faith I'm this good, then you have to act out on that faith and trust that I am who I say I am, right? And what Paul's doing here, Paul's tying this blessing from God, this good and beautiful God, this righteousness um, the, and uh, the, this, this promise. Man, there's a better word for it. There's this rich blessing that's coming through Abraham, but Abraham has to trust that God's going to do a miracle, and God does. She delivers. Uh, Sarah has a baby. And the reason that this is important, because Paul ties this of, at one point, there was death. At one point, there was something barren. And God invited and brought new life. And not through the act, not through the law, but through faith. And this is where he ties in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, in the same way that they receive that blessing through faith of trusting that God's that good, we can do the same thing when we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And why does resurrection matter? For a lot of people, resurrection is like this party trick that God did. They're like, whoa, no way. He came back from the dead. That's really good news. Why is it good news? Now, if you really think about it, what's, what's so great? Is it like if you held a belief that like, Jesus went down to hell and had to, like, duke it out. Does anyone know the song The Champion by Carmen, by chance? Anyone? Yeah, you, you know it. <laughs> did anyone mime it out? I did. You're welcome, all right? Yeah, that was a mime. No big deal. We'll get on that later. Um, now all you're going to think about is Chris being a mime. <laughs> um, all right? But if you believe that Jesus went out and, like, duked it out with the devil and came back with the keys from Hades, right, like, that's, that's, a, that's a good story. Right? I really, that can be a really good story. But that's not the point of resurrection. New life. Resurrection is Jesus stepping out of the tomb and having like this dec declaration. It's like a primal scream to all of creation declaring this body matters. It is this declaration pointing to the ground saying the, the, the soil we stand on matters. Like your art that you do matters. Your sobriety matters. The way you parent matters. The way you do your job matters. The way you, like, um, take in foster pets matters. The way you show up to a party matters. The way you use your table and your meals matter. The way you give to the nonprofit matters. Jesus is declaring everything in this world is connected and everything belongs, and we need to awaken to that reality. We need to have faith that it really belongs, because there's a narrative that says we're alone. There's a narrative that says that we're nothing. There's a narrative that says that you're never going to be good enough. In resurrection, Jesus brings new life that we can move that resurrection power. And how do we have it? In the same way, Abraham and Sarah had to believe there's a God that's good. In the same way, we can have faith 
that there is resurrection power when we move, when we have faith and we move in the nature and the manner of Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but I need new life. Like this is not just like a, my professor said it's not just a static thing. What we believe cannot be a static thing, meaning um, I believe in this and so it will always be true. We have to be open to new ideas. We have to be open to uh, new ways of seeing and believing. Like 40-year-old, I'm 43, right? Yeah, I'm 43. <laughs> I'm like, hold on a second, right? 43-year-old Chris is very different than 33-year-old Chris. And I imagine 53-year-old Chris is going to be different than 43-year-old Chris. But I have to have faith that there is a God that is that good that I can evolve and grow when I learn new things. They don't have to hold on to something so tight and say, no, 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 this is the only way it's been. This is the only way it works. I can be open to new ways of thinking and new ways of living and experiencing resurrection life. And it matters for us because, um, no, I've got to get to this point first. Um, it matters because we love the idea of resurrection. You cannot get to resurrection, you can't get to new life until there's death, right? There's no way of finding new life until there's absolute death. And not in like the physical death, right? That's what a lot of Christians focus on is like, uh, there'll be new life when we die and we go to heaven. I believe that, big fan. But what I believe Jesus is talking about was saying picking up your cross, the way we die is we have to die to our ego. We have to die to us being the hero in every story. We have to die to us putting ourselves at the center of every single story. And funny, we always win. And if we can die to that and believe that the, our neighbor, we should love our neighbors and we love ourselves, that we can give of our best, we can extend kindness, mercy, gentleness, humbleness to the other person, that's heaven. That's where we find new life. And every single person I've met loves this idea, right? They're like, yeah, we want to change the world. Let's, let's die to our ego and let's give of ourselves Everyone loves that for transformation until it costs them something. Because we all have a line. Every single one of us. We have this, uh, this, this place of I'm willing to show up. I'm willing to volunteer. I'm willing to support. I'm willing to walk in that parade. I'm willing to rally. I'm willing to throw money at that until what? Ooh, Saturdays are kind of for the boys. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I can't really show up for that. I'm willing to give. How much? I don't know about that. I'll support you until you text me five weekends in a row asking for me to pray for you, and the sixth Saturday, you're like, can we just get over this? Like, we all have this line, and no way am I advocating, <laughs> I'm glad I said this, no way am I advocating that we shouldn't have boundaries and self-care, right? But there is a line of where we give, and we say, isn't that enough already? Haven't I already, like, like killed my ego enough? Can't the ego just sing a little bit louder for just a little bit? And what Jesus is inviting us into is if you really want that transformational power, if you really want that resurrection life, if we really believe that this world and this body matters, the way we do it is through dying. The way we do it is through laying down us and ourselves. And then when we give in love, there's the kingdom of God. There's heaven. So um, where I want to end. Yeah. Where I want to end then, and it's, it's like the, it's the flip side of what I just talked about, right? How do I want to word this? When I was reading Romans chapter 4 on Thursday at like 8 o'clock at night, and I usually don't read the Bible on, at night. I do read the Bible. I am a pastor. <laughs> there's like an awkward pause there. <laughs> Wrong time to pause. Right? 
But I was waiting for my daughter. She was at uh, swim practice at the Y, and I read it, this, this, the, the part where um, they talk where Abraham says, I don't know if this is going to work. And they actually have faith that God is that good, and they have a baby. And I had this picture in my mind, I had this thought thinking about our church of um, what things, like Abraham says, this part of us is dead. What things in our life have we deemed dead that maybe is ready for new life? What things have we stamped just says, this is useless, this is gone, I'm never going to have this. And the first thing I thought of is love. How many people feel I'm not worthy of love for my partner, for my kids, for my friend, from God, from like uh, the people at work? And why? Because you've experienced loss. You've experienced something traumatic. So you said, I, I'm, maybe I'll get a little bit of love, but I'm never going to have love that actually I deserve. And so you say, it's never going to happen. How many people feel like they are never worth um, having good friends again? Friends are hard to come by as adults. We are really bad at it. We're like historically bad at making friends. And we all want one. We all say, I, I, want, I want a good one. But we don't know how to get a good one. And for a lot of us, we give up. You just say, I guess this is all it's ever going to be. What about this one? Pleasure. I am not worth pleasure anymore. And pleasure is something far more expansive than just maybe what you're thinking of, right? Pleasure with your body and pleasure in your body. We don't talk about this enough at church. And you are worth experiencing pleasure. If that's going for a run, if that is uh, connecting with your partner, if that is doing a puzzle, whatever brings you pleasure, you are worth it. And so often we discount it. We say, no, that's, that's for young people, or that was a different self, and you, and you die to it. Why aren't you? You are worth pleasure. And I believe that God gave us a body to embody the sunlight, to embody pleasure, embody joy. And I think maybe it's time we can get new life in experiencing pleasure. Maybe it's in your education, maybe it's in that hobby, maybe it's in, in gardening, whatever, whatever part in your life you feel like that is dead, I believe that there's a God, can you trust there's a God that's that good that maybe you could experience new life? Okay, I'm going to pray. Please join me. So God, we love you. And I thank you for new life. I thank you that we can experience that, that light and that energy from you every single day. And like Abraham and Sarah, who felt it was dead, they felt like this, this idea of that there's going to be family, there's going to be this lineage, and there's going to be this transformation in the world. They started by simply having faith, of believing there's a God that's that good. So I pray for my friends who are here, who are listening on the podcast who believe they are not worth pleasure, that they're not worth being believed, that they believe they're not worth access to like really high-quality health care. And they feel like they're never going to have that friend like those people are friends. So Holy Spirit, will you come? I pray you breathe new life. You breathe new life in us and through us. And that we can be a people that is marked by the majesty and the goodness and the generosity of God. And that we can go around and resurrecting power and reminding the people around us that who they are matters. 
So give us what we need to extend that love and help us every single day to continue to die to our ego and awaken a new life of divine love. And we love you. Amen. All right, friends. Well, thank you for spending Sunday with me today. If you'd like to process, you'd like to pray, um, you'd like to hear more mime stories, uh, I'll be here for like the next 20 minutes. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your Sunday.